Welcome to 5x5 Crypto. Each week, we cover the so what of five crypto developments in about five minutes. My name is Afo, and I'm interested in crypto. Like and subscribe on Substack, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. I think you'll enjoy this week's episode. Let's go. Hey, y'all. Today, we're going to do a special edition exploring the opportunity for crypto in the emerging markets. This is a topic that's really close to my heart as I was born in Nigeria. I've been fortunate to have lived and worked in Europe and North America and Africa. And this has given me perspective on how different and similar we all are. Honestly, when it comes down to it, most people just want to create a good life for themselves and their families. However, situations really vary greatly within and across countries. So this brings me to this question. Can crypto and DeFi enable economic prosperity for all? Join me as I explore. As always, please let me know what your thoughts are. I'm always happy to engage. Thanks. The title today is Banking the Other Half. He quietly walks in at 4 p.m. every day. Baba Alajo, man of the accounts, is dressed in a white kaftan with a dusty wooden walking stick in hand. Some say the walking stick is meant to beat off any would-be pickpockets. You see, Baba Alajo is here to pick up cash from my grandmother's roadside store. He is the closest thing to a bank in this community. The World Bank estimates that 1.7 billion people are unbanked. These folks do not have access to potentially life-enhancing services like low-interest lines of credit for their businesses or a mortgage to buy a home. Instead, many of these people rely on the likes of Baba Alajo to provide them with cash deposits and withdrawal services. They are particularly vulnerable to predatory loan sharks. Now, I think there are four key reasons why people do not engage with the formal financial sector. Number one, lack of funds. According to the World Bank, 59% of unbanked people said lack of funds was the reason they didn't have a bank account. Small business owners like my grandma might only earn a couple dollars every day. I once learned about a bank in Uganda that charged customers whenever they made a deposit. That's crazy. This would eat into the already small savings. Number two reason, illiteracy. UNESCO reports that over 770 million adults cannot read and write. Women are overrepresented in this group. Most banks and fintechs are designed to serve literate customers. You see, my grandma didn't have the opportunity to get a formal education. When she was in her 70s, she took an adult reading class at a local church. Many people can't read. We need to also have solutions to onboard them too. Number three, trust. Some people have been traumatized by the banking sector. As a kid in Nigeria, I remember the outcries when banks failed and families lost their life savings. In contrast, People like Baba Alajo are part of the communities they serve. In my grandma's case, she knew his family and he learned the rhythms of her business. 
Oftentimes, people like Baba Alajo would pass on their business to their child when they retired. Thus, trust was built over generations. Number three, access. Mobile phones have enabled billions of people around the world to participate in modern banking by expanding access to the internet. However, the UN estimates only 47% of people in the developing world have access to the internet. Technology alone can't close this gap. Trusted community members like my grandma could host mobile phones for shared access. More innovation is required to close this gap at the last mile. So, I think lack of funds is the primary reason why people do not bank. However, my sense is that unbanked and underbanked have varying exposure to the drivers we just discussed. I would guess that the underbanked are more literate than the unbanked. They may also have higher trust in financial institutions and greater access to them than the unbanked. So now that we've established why some people don't engage with the modern financial sector, let's explore what problems they have that could be solved. I'm going to highlight three. Number one, store value. So here's the situation. Most of the unbanked people live in countries facing sky-high levels of inflation and currency devaluation. For instance, in Nigeria, the price of rice, a staple food, has tripled over the past six years. During that time period, salaries have largely remained stagnant and unemployment has worsened. Meanwhile, the Naira's value has tumbled over the past six years from $1 equal to 200 Naira in 2015 to $1 equal to 500 Naira in 2021. Consumers who are earning and saving in Naira are fighting a losing battle with inflation. So here's a potential solution. How about you saving in alternative currencies such as the US dollar or fiat-backed stable coins like USDC or cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. You see, access to dollar-denominated accounts is limited in countries like Nigeria, but dollar-backed stable coins paired with high-interest savings accounts such as BlockFi or yield farming on Compound, these solutions could potentially provide a wall of defense against the rising tide of inflation. Number two, access to credit. Access to credit is notoriously limited in some developing countries. There are difficulties enforcing con contractual breaches and credit scores are generally not available. Five years ago, I was quoted a five-year mortgage in Nigeria at about 15 to 20% interest rate. In contrast, I purchased a home in the U.S., for a 30-year mortgage at 2-3% to interest rate. That's crazy! Here's a potential solution. Establish digital identities on the blockchain to simplify the assessment of credit worthiness. We could also leverage DeFi to expand access to global pools of credit and lower interest rates. 
So therefore, this could enable credit-worthy individuals and businesses in developing countries more readily to gain access to more credit and lower interest financing. Number three, remittances. Many migrants send a portion of their paychecks home to support family members and invest in businesses. The World Bank estimates that $702 billion of remittances were sent in 2020. That's a lot of money. In many developing countries, remittances accounted for more than 20% of the GDP. That's insane. However, the fees associated with these transfers can be exorbitant. The World Bank found that the average cost of receiving remittances in, South, in Sub-Saharan Africa was 8.2% in Q4 2020. So if you send $100, will be taken away as fees. Now, in contrast, domestic funds transferred within the U.S. are free using Cash App or PayPal. So here's a solution. Blockchain-enabled cross-border payment solutions are now offering near-instant and low-cost funds transfer. Strike leverages the Bitcoin Lightning Network to enable users transfer funds through their app from the U.S. bank account to a foreign bank account. Senecash Africa also achieves similar results, although it's focused on West Africa at this point in time. In contrast, the existing bank solutions are much more costly and time intensive. Sometimes it could take two to five business days for funds to transfer. Reducing transaction fees from the global average of 6.5% to 1% could unlock $38 billion. I mean, to put things in perspective, the USAID's annual budget was $40 billion in 2020. I mean, we could unlock the annual budget of USAID by simply using blockchain-enabled cross-border solutions. That's something I'm excited about. So, in conclusion, there are significant opportunities to improve economic prosperity and increase financial inclusion. I'm looking forward to exploring more crypto and blockchain-enabled solutions to these challenges. Please let me know if you learn of projects and startups working in this space. I may do a profile on them in the future. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Let me know your thoughts. Have a wonderful day.